0: In your opinion, what do you think is probably the toughest region to kill a mature buck?
1: That's definitely the South. I mean, it's just, there's no true funnels. There's no true, you know, woodlots inside corners. There's nothing really to funnel them unless it's kind of man made. It just, no doubt about it, it's the
0: South. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Southeast Whitetail. I'm Mark Aslam, and I'm thrilled to have on the line Jeff Lindsay from the Lindsay way. Jeff, you there? I'm here mark well I, mean, I I appreciate you coming on i I have been looking forward to this interview with you for uh for a long time and your unique perspective, you know being from the South and moving out to to the midwest iowa i I greatly appreciate your time.
1: Hey, man. I'm glad to be. It. On it with you. I know we've been talking about this for seems like a year or two, and I'm glad we finally made it happen.
0: you know, I, 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 I it's understandable. You, you probably wanted to wait to see if this podcast would make it. You know, you didn't want to be be on the probably early not, ones but, and just and see if you know, it stayed afloat for a while. <laughs> no, no, I no problem.
1: I'll do. I try to do anyone that, that I get asked to. I can. My, my schedule allows.
0: I'm always listening. I'm always tickled pink when someone. Um, that I follow and that I look up to um, and, and respect, um, you know, responds and, and wants to do this because um, I, I just always enjoy that. And, of course, Corey, you there? My uh, co-host, Corey Parker's on the line.
2: Yeah, man, I'm here. I'm stoked as well, man. I've followed you for a long time, Jeff, and, you know, kind of what Mark was saying, just kind of a unique perspective. And i you know, glad to be on it.
1: Yeah, absolutely, guys. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Well, cool. If y'all are ready, I, I want to jump right into this, um, uh, Jeff. You know, I, you know. Can you briefly kind of tell the audience if someone's out there listening that's been living under under a rock the past ten, fifteen years? Can you briefly tell you know a little bit of, of backstory coming from the south and ending up in Iowa?
2: Right.
1: Yeah, I can. Man, I, I grew up hunting the south. You know, it was since I was old enough to walk, I was going to deer camps on the weekends with my dad dove hunting, fishing, whatever. Um, that led into you know, falling in love with deer hunting. And then sometime and later on in my high school through college, I just absolutely fell in love with, with turkey hunting. It was the heyday of the South for turkeys. And uh that, that was my burning passion. And that kind of got me into filming. And um I had a buddy that what well, he filmed for Real Tree and we we produced a bunch of of, of hunts videos or Filmed a bunch of hunts, I should say, and and videos. And uh, that was just kind of what we did. And then one thing led to another. Uh, We started hunting in Iowa early 2000s, I guess. And, um, you know, we ended up buying, my dad ended up buying a farm up there. And we moved up there. This was probably, yeah, 20 years ago, I guess. And then uh, we ended up upgrading our farm. We bought a farm. over Mark Drury's old farm, kind of his original farm he had in Iowa. Uh, my dad had a couple of different pieces of land that he was able to 1031 and buy that farm in stages. And then we, we moved over there and um, have been hunting it ever since. I think that was 07. And uh, up until recently, I think 2020 COVID changed the world. It changed my life. Uh, had my son start school. And... Um, I couldn't travel as much, so I actually ended up moving back to Georgia. I still try to, you know, I still hunt the Midwest every year. I just don't get those uh, those over-the-counter two tags anymore like I used to do in Iowa. So my my life, my world changed on that, but I still do get to hunt Iowa um, when I draw or one of the ways I can get a tag. But And that's kind of where we're at. We've been doing the Lindsay Way for, this is year, going into year eight is about to, start showing on the outdoor channel. And um, that's hard to say that, it doesn't feel like we've been doing it that long. Well, what led us into that, we we, we drew outdoors, dream season, that whole, uh, those guys, we filmed that show for seven years, I think. And then we went over to, we just kind of decided to step out on my, our own. That was my dad's kind of dream, his goal. And he said, I'm not getting any younger, let's do it. And and we have, and we haven't looked back and it takes a lot of time, but it's fun, And it, it's one of those things that, it's not how we make a living um you know i'm in construction i build houses have real estate companies sell our own houses but but and, and yes the lindsey way is a is a business that it stands alone and is profitable um but hunting comes first and the day that it becomes a job or the day that it becomes you know too much work or something that i don't enjoy is the day i stop filming and i'd hunt tomorrow if. Even if I wasn't filming or if I didn't have a camera, that's not why I'm doing it. But but looking back, it has been a lot of fun to kind of kind of capture those memories, you know, pretty much forever.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's your content is is some of the very few. I mean, Corey can attest to this. He he'll mention you know, outdoor personalities to me all the time. And like, I I don't know who they are because I don't follow them. And you're one of the few that I follow and consume because I can relate to it. And it's real, you know, it's, you know, real content. Okay, so we're talking about Georgia, Iowa, um, your land, um, the way you manage, I know you do land work. I know I've heard you talk about doing TSI, uh, cutting, cutting trees, food plots, Um, is the main focus, has it, has it been the main focus for, for wildlife, for whitetails or, um, and, and I, I guess I'm going with this is like my own personal family farm. The main focus really is wildlife, but it's kind of a blend because the reason why we bought the land was for the tree farm, for the income, for, you know, growing, growing pine trees, and that makes it sustainable. And of course, we're big time deer hunters, so that's also why we bought it. And we're able to kind of blend the two—you know, our, our 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 farm work that we lease to a farmer, our food plot, and the forestry work—all kind of go together in our plan. But as y'all's land, is it is it really just kind of all for wildlife, or, or are you uh, doing other things, farming, or you know, growing trees, or um, what's what's your land work like?
1: Real similar to what you just, what you just described on yours. I mean, our farm was a, our our Georgia farm was 921 acres originally, and it was, it had some ag fields and there was some hay production and a little bit of row crop that happened on it. Um, And then I think it was about 15 years ago, um, we ended up adding a timber piece that was behind us and it was, you know, pretty much all pine, pine trees at that point. And so about every two or three years, we will cut timber. Um, we live in middle Georgia, and honestly, it's probably one of the worst uh, timber markets in the world just because we're, we're not close to any good mills um, right yeah. there. But it does help kind of supplement uh, what we want to do. So um, it, it's definitely probably, I, I wouldn't say pro- paying for the farm, you know, but, but it helps. And, and most all of our farming that happens now is stuff that we do. Our, our corn's in the ground. Our beans go in the ground. Uh, next week, and, and we have tried leasing it out to farmer, but it just doesn't work the same way like it does in the Midwest. Mainly because it's it's a struggle, not only with the soil, but our high deer high deer density just kind of turns more into a, 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 the, the the whatever farmers we've had before an, an insurance type grab or something. Is the way we felt, so it was like well, we're we're planting these because we we want the deer to benefit, not necessarily just to collect the insurance check.
0: Yeah, that's something that um is definitely a real thing. What what do you know roughly what your densities are?
1: You know, we've 40
0: deer square miles
1: kind of what we when when we did some studies and stuff like that uh 10 years ago, I'd say we're we're pretty close to that. Um maybe a little a little more, but I will say this is the same no matter it's the Midwest or the South. Um and I just kind of call it, you know, the, the gamekeeper effect. You know, you go in there and you you plant all this food and you you create this bedding, you know, the TSI work, you you create all this cover, you know, your ponds, everything, and you attract all these deer. And it's like, man, we shoot more does than any of our neighbors. I know we do in Georgia and I know we do in the Midwest, but it's just so hard to get ahead because it's like, a, it's a double-edged sword. All we do for the wildlife, they just. They just keep coming and it's like our farms know what that sustainable um number is and they're just going to keep you know migrating in to, to hold those numbers true true we've just had a hard time um really taking those numbers down even when we we say okay this year we're killing twice as many does it's just something we just haven't really been able to um put a dent in them so to speak but at the end of the day you know everybody likes to see deer when they go we we feel like our buck to doe ratio is is healthy. It may not be one to one. It may not be one to two, but it's it's really close in in both places. And and we just we try to manage those does to to keep those numbers. You know where where we're not noticing browse pressure and stuff like that on the the native habitat.
0: Yeah, that you know, you are spot on. Um, and I, you know, I write. I put that in my management plans when I meet with clients about their property. Um, it's something that I've heard, uh, Craig Harper, Dr. Craig Harper from, you know, Tennessee talk about, but rarely does people talk about the, the effects of like what you said when you're doing all this habitat work, whatever it is, you know, or if it's all the above, you know, bedding, food, cover, safety, predator management, whatever, especially when you wrap it all together in a bundle. Well, if you keep doing that, especially, if you implement QDM practices by just simply letting them walk, or as Joe Hamilton would say, mm-hmm. just simply let it, let them have birthdays, you know, uh, you're going to build more deer. You're going to house more deer and more deer utilizing property. That's great. But you got to start shooting more. You got to start pulling the trigger yeah. more. You got to kill more does. And if you don't, you got a problem. Um, all right. Let's jump into bow hunting. And I know you do a lot of bow hunting. Core's big bow hunter. I do it when it makes sense because I'm not that great. I'm effective, you know, but I prefer right, my yeah, seven, get
1: it done.
0: I prefer my seven mag and a good uh federal 150 grain. Um, <laughs> right. so let's talk about let's just jump running bow like bow hunt all about bow hunting whitetails in the south and midwest. I mean Jeff, what what's some of the like just some just just some glaring challenges? I mean, I th- I just right off the top of my head, like, do you have preferred distances where if you're in Georgia, you're in Alabama, or you're in Iowa, is there uh your your setups, I mean, are, do you allow, do you want shorter distance shots in one region or the other? um you know do you have different arrowhead setups broadheads bullet types i mean is there some i, I mentioned bullet for but can you talk about some different just bow hunting challenges and things yeah. that you've adapted to over the years from different regions
1: yeah it's definitely more challenging in the south there's no doubt about it i, I did grow up bow hunting you know white that's so kind of what i did i mean i shot my first deer with a, with a gun but then i that was my goal you know the next within a couple of years shoot on my bow and i And I did, but it's it's a lot different. For one, our deer, you know, they're they're a little smaller, so you got less of a less of a a target to hit, you know. So that's going to happen. And and although our deer in Iowa do jump some, you know, they'll jump the string, but nothing like a deer in the south will. They're they're just they're just on edge, you know. And our farm even you know encompasses 1,800 acres, and most of those deer do not get high pressure by us. They may get high pressure by the neighbors, but You just feel like they're born to look up in trees. That's just what they do, you know, and, and we, we bow hunt uh, uh, out of ground blinds occasionally in the South, but it is just not the same. Uh, You can't conceal in the South. You know, you, we, we joke about it in the Midwest. I can put a a ground blind up the next day. I can hunt it in the Midwest. Well, I got to put that thing out like two or three months early in the South (laughs) to get those deer used to it. And, and we'll hunt box blinds, you know, with a with a rifle we, out of our rednecks we've tried over the years just slowly in every field to get a redneck and that's really came in handy you know we didn't have that nothing like that you know 10 15 years ago but now with kids and all you can just i can pretty much take my son or my daughter anywhere i want to hunt regardless of the wind but we don't bow hunt out of ground or out of box lines in the south we may do that occasionally in the midwest it's just kind of not our thing and it's not how we have our our farm set up but but yeah there's a, a lot more challenges but, but i think you can talk about the deer jumping talk about how much smarter they are and everything but at the end of the day the biggest difficulty for us that we've seen uh bow hunting in the south versus the midwest is just the wind i mean the midwest you know what it's going to be out of the northwest that wind's going to be out of the northwest and pretty much until it starts changing and then it changes, you adapt and react accordingly but in the south I don't care which way that wind's supposed to be blowing from, whatever the weather channel's saying or whatever the forecast is. It's going to blow from there, and it's going to blow from three or four other directions. And you know, I don't. And you guys probably see it even worse than us, closer to the coast over there. But I don't know if it's just because we're down there, you know, but but in the corner of the United States between the two oceans, the trade winds, whatever it is. But we just do not get in the morning time. We'll get some consistent thermals. We will get that. Uh, but as far as the afternoon, you know, setting up, it's either going to be so dead calm with no wind that you know you can you can't even think straight because it's so calm, and you sure can't get drawn on a deer. But but when the wind is blowing, it's just it's just not consistent. And you know, to be an effective bow hunter, you got to have a consistent wind, and you got to play that wind. And that's probably my biggest thing I would say that I've noticed is is different or challenging bow hunting the Midwest versus the South
2: yeah I, I can definitely agree with you there we actually i only i have about a little less than 400 acres and i've actually been texting a buddy of mine who's hunting the north side of the property and i'll be hunting the, the south side and i'm right there close to the coast and just what you said man we we'll be arguing which way the wind's
1: blowing and uh, <laughs> right yeah and you went you're staying probably both of y'all went expecting the same wind
2: that's right i mean we're we're only hunting you know a couple thousand yards away and you know, he's got a north wind, and I've got one kind of swirly west. You know, and we're just arguing over that. And it's it's tough, yeah, for sure. I, I,
1: yeah, thinking back, I, me and my dad, we have definitely had that discussion. Yeah, we'll be – oh, it's supposed to be this. But, no, it's blowing this way over there and not over here. But, yeah, now you, you see that a lot. Do you see that, Mark, I guess, on your play?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's why I – you know, our season opens in South Carolina in August, mid-August, and it, it just – you know, I mean, y'all know this being, being a South is that a lot of mornings, for instance, the wind doesn't get fired up until a couple of hours after daybreak. So some wow. of those, I mean, that's why, you know, I, that's why I said earlier, I love bow hunting, but I only do it when it makes sense. So if I'm trying to kill a buck early season, I'm not taking my bow because you're going to educate a bunch of deer and maybe that buck before you even get close to it. So that's why I kind of drift back in the, in the, in the thin burn pines and climb with my rifle, just because, I mean, I, I can't tell you how, how many hunts have, have have like come together for a buck where I've, where I've like kind of like fallen into it, kind of backdoor my way in because I go to one place and the wind's doing one thing. And so I doing something different. So then I move locations and then I see some action, and I kind of capitalize on that later, you know, in that weekend. But yeah, I mean, the wind is. Um, that's why I mean, I, I just to me, bow hunting in in the south. I'm not saying bow hunting anywhere else, but just bow hunting in general, especially in the south, is just tough. But I, you know, I've kind of come to at least at least in my property, kind of learn like what the wind like. If you're in some thicker areas with some young pine trees that wind's going to hit those that that thicket those those dense pines and it's going to do whatever it wants to do i mean it's going to move around those trees like a water would and it's just going to go through there so it's it's definitely tough do you have any different setups as far as your bow you know uh, uh, arrow weight broadhead or or are you using the same setup for both locations i
1: don't i i use the exact same setup i'm i'm more of a speed guy, you know. Everybody yeah. can get you know, on the internet and get in arguments all day long with people on <laughs> yeah. kinetic energy and you know, all this type of stuff. But um, but I, I'm just a speed guy. I like a like my bow shooting fast. And I like a fast arrow, and I just like to buzz through them, you know, and best I can and make them bleed. I'm a I'm an expandable guy. I have been pretty much ever since they started making them. Um, and just had a lot of a lot of success with those. So there's really not um a big difference i will go with a little heavier arrow um when i'm uh when i'm elk hunting and then sometimes i'll swap back and forth a little bit but pretty much uh it's a exact same setup
0: awesome what since, since we're talking about bow hunting and i was talking about early season um what i know maybe it was a season or two ago your father uh took down mumbles yep double was it a it was a double drop time right it was huge but like peeling velvet i remember and you do a lot of um early season hunting uh in the south here what what are those setups like i mean what 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 do you because i i mean I, he was a morning kill right
1: it was an afternoon but the only time he had seen him was in a morning and okay and growing up we we, we bow hunted in the mornings. You know, we'd go into our farm, and, and not necessarily this farm, you know, land we hunt club or the land we have behind our house, and you just go hunt wherever. You hunt your best stands, you know, where you're going to hunt in November. It was just that same two or three ladder stands. That's just where you'd go and you'd hunt when you had that time. But, but as time, things evolved in early season, and, and even now, we really don't go into a good spot in the morning times in October when our season opens. But in the South, we kind of got into that rut and like, well, we're going to do more damage than good. But because of these sawtooths we, we have, it just literally changed our farm from mid to end of September that we started planting, you know, 23 years ago, I guess. And they just, we tried to plant some every couple of years going forward or, or some type of tree, but um, it, it just holds these deer in this, this big hundred acre ag field that we got. And it's, and it's, divided up. We have added a lot of soft edges with pine trees and it's all at different stages, especially right now, you know, just because of the, the nesting and brooder and habitat that we try to maintain in there. But so those deer these um will have some usually some beans and you know alfalfa planted in this big field at different different little sections the way it's all kind of segregated up. And then we have a handful of salt that acre and orchards and those Deer will just migrate to those in the afternoon and they'll stay pretty much around those trees all night, especially if you get a little bit cooler, you know, five to ten degrees cooler in the morning. And uh we put in this big pond, like this 25-acre pond, kind of in, in the middle of our property. Um, this was about 15 years ago, I guess. And and it's just created these great funnels because these deer have to walk around this pond. And so they get coming up in these ag fields or this ag field in particular. And like I say, they'll just filter back through. And so our morning hunt now is just as good as our evening hunt. And and I couldn't say that, you know, growing up. You just didn't see that unless you had a white oak acorn tree, you know, sometime in mid-October or something like that. But now, because of those sawtooth acorns, it has honestly made our, our morning hunting just as good as our evening hunting in the south. And, and I know a lot of people can't say that, but just one of those habitat improvement things that, you know, I... Everybody
0: has their own opinion on is, but I love them. We love them. I, yeah, I, I love them. I, I, we planted a bunch uh, years ago, and I, I tell you, it was um, one of the coolest things, coolest hunting experience I had. Uh, it was a buck I killed in uh, October of 2020, and actually I saw him one Friday night, um, came into this bean field, and I couldn't really get a good look at him. You know, he was one of those bucks that, you, you know, got your attention as far as the antlers, but he was two 250 yards away, kind of gray light, and I really couldn't get a good look. Um, and then he moved across the field, went, went to the next hedgerow with a doe, popped back out, started, started rubbing a tree, and then he went over and hit a licking branch and a scrape under a sawtooth oak that, that I planted back in 2009. And I was like, damn, I was like, you know what? Like, that's pretty cool. You know, I planted that as like a little seedling tree, like a foot tall. Um, I think I'm going to take the safety off. And and then he vanished, but I was able to catch up with him. But you, you're right about the sawtooth oaks. And, you know, I've asked a lot of different biologists and I've, I've asked a lot of different land managers in the South that I respect. And, you know, because there's, there's just been, this, you know, this massive push for, you know, natives and you know kill all non-natives and i get that you know i there's there's a lot of real stuff that happens you know different plant species that can take over that are invasive but sawtooths aren't invasive they're not going to take over your farm so yeah i I, I, i've never really understood that i just i don't same
1: here i don't understand how that how they say that because i've really never had any spread outside of that orchard and they're never going to get any size to it
0: yeah, it's. I mean, it's incredible what they do. Well, well, Corey, I hope you're taking notes. Uh, Corey just recently acquired his farm, and and he he's got some ponds and what you were describing, Jeff. Hope hope you're writing all that down, Corey.
2: Yeah, man, I was already gonna put down some sawtooth anyway after we did this uh, timber project we're about to do, but uh, now, yeah, I mean, I you know, obligated to now. I mean, not you know, just a preponderance of evidence, but uh, yeah, no, it's. That's one big thing. I think, Mark, I'll talk to you about it when we, you come out. But I got a couple blocks we're going to put in a hesitate to say it's orchard, but yeah, we'll probably put in quite a few saltus when we go back to plant. Um, one question I got for you, Jeff, you, about the Midwest versus the South, um, and I know that that y'all you know do run pretty good surveys and kind of know your deer for the most part. Um, and I lived in Oklahoma for a little while and hunted out there, which is not Midwest, but Definitely not the South either. Um, how many of your bucks would you say you have on camera versus just kind of surprised? Like you didn't know they were there if you're kind of compare the Midwest versus South. I mean, I know uh at least in my experience, um I'll get a fair amount of deer on camera, but every year, man, I'm seeing it doesn't matter what property I'm hunting, you know, any property that I know well, I'm seeing deer in the south that, you know, where the hell did that come from? And I had no idea what that was. But, and, there's this idea that you can get all your deer on camera and i just don't that's not been my my experience what you got any take on that uh you know
1: i would say both of them are real similar we run a ton of cameras probably too many and and i will say that to a fault just because i feel like um the last couple of years i have really kind of not i haven't stepped back i have stepped back personally on cameras a little bit um just where i don't let them like dominate my life now my dad's gotten where he's starting to um, do them a little bit more um just it was always my thing i put out the cameras i checked all the cards and we figured up you know one day how many millions of images you know i was clicking through every every year and i felt like that's all i'd done and i really got burnt out on it and uh not so much in georgia uh but mainly in Iowa, just because we were running you know 60-80 60, 80 cameras, and run through the summer, and uh, and kind of the same thing in the South. We don't run as many cameras per acre in the South as we do in the Midwest. Um, probably more so, just we don't spend as much time. We I won't say that because we do spend as much time hunting there, I guess. But you know, we're hoping, you know, to find that magical, you know, 180, uh, 190 inch deer in the Midwest, and and in the South, you know, you're just looking for something mature so I guess you got a little more hair hanging out in front of you try to find that next giant and and I will but occasionally um like last year I've seen this buck come out and you know he was one of those he was he was cool buck he was old um he was this was late October he's dead on this doe and I was like I almost let my camera guy shoot him just because I'm like I don't know him but I know he's old and that wasn't what deer I was after and he ended up getting away from us but I was like, man, I, what deer is that? I don't know. You know, I don't, I don't know what deer this is. But then when I went back and, and I had some pics of him, so usually I feel like now I can say that I see, I see more deer that I didn't know before. Um, but that's probably because my memory doesn't remember uh, shooting them ever since I crawled, or getting pics of them. You know, it's just one of those deals with crawling 40, not as good as it used to be. Because I always had this photographic memory going up. You know, I've I, I seen a deer once. I feel like I would remember that deer for several years, no matter how much he changed. I could remember him year to year just based off his frame. And that's just, unfortunately, that's not the case with my
0: brain anymore. Yeah, yeah. I can sigh with that for sure. Um,
1: but I don't, I guess to summarize that, I just, it doesn't happen as often, I guess, as I would like. But I think that's because we run so many cameras.
0: So y'all, I was a two buck state. Is that correct?
1: It's a two-buck state for residents, and if you're a landowner, you know, I think that's, you know, 40, 60 acres, whatever it is, I'm confused with I, I, Illinois Kansas, then you can get a third tag. You okay. know, and there, there's different ways you can get tags with the, you know, you got better odds with muzzleloader, and then, you know, a lot of people do the party hunting on the, the gun seasons in early December, so. There's a lot of different ways to, to get tags, but most people are trying to, to get that bow tag, you know, to hunt yeah. the southern Iowa zones and that's taken four or five years to get drawn which is crazy but that's that's what makes it so good
0: so i i want to move in uh next talk a little bit about uh hunting culture um a lot of what i cover on southeast whitetail on this podcast and articles i write and stuff i post is just uh really just celebrating the hunting culture of the south um because you know not that it's any bit um Better than any other region, but it's just different, you know, it, it's just different. And, it I, and I wanted to show it. So, um, so reason why I went in that right now is that you had talked about if Iowa is a, is a generally a, a two buck state, maybe you can get another one as a landowner. You're probably not seeing uh, deer managers like yourself, land, land stewards, hunters taking out a quote management buck. Whether some people feel that, you know, they can cull out genetics, which, you know, has been um, has been hypothesized for years, but has been, you know, tested by researchers, and biologists, that that does not work in a wild deer perspective. But there is something that you can do as far as essentially culling out mouths on the landscape. You know, you've got X amount of deer. And if you kill some of them, you, you've got less, obviously. And so the, the other ones will grow better and you'll create more fawns and a lot of stuff like that. So that can't be a thing out there, right? If people, I mean, are, do, do people take those you know, buck tags and maybe take out less inferior bucks like the other ones? Or is that, or is that just not a thing out there?
1: No, usually if they do, it's by accident. That's just not. You know, that was kind of my thing back when I would get two or three tags. I would yeah. always say, Man, I'm every year I'm going to shoot a management type deer. But that's me. I mean, I that's one thing I try to teach my son. And, and and you know, anybody that hunts with me knows if that's an old deer, that's really all I care about. I yeah. yes, I want to kill you know as big a deer as anybody. That's just that's the human nature. But if you I've always said just try to kill the oldest deer on the farm, you kill the oldest deer on your farm, you're always going to be happy about that. But you go and shoot you know, a, a young or a three year old that. May score good, but and you know, but you knew what he could be down the road. It's just gonna you know stuff like that. It's gonna mess with your brain or mess with you, and you just you're never going to regret shooting that old deer so i that's just kind of what what I do you know everybody's different, but you know this, these people are dry, drawing one tag every four or five years I mean I get it I'm,
2: oh, yeah. I understand oh, yeah. can
1: a landowner in Kansas, I get one buck, and uh my deer density out there you know, on our farm. A farm on the, uh, the Arkansas River there is as high as anywhere, anywhere I hunt. And every year, rifle season, I have three or four buddies. Well, two of them didn't get drawn this year. we used to take the same group of four or five people. They didn't get drawn, but I'm like, come out here, guys. We're going to shoot an old deer. I mean, if it's an old big one, I don't care, but we're going to kill some old deer because I cannot, by only killing one tag, we, we can't manage that. And um and I do agree, you know, kind of with the science on that, that you can't really... um you know, cold jeans out, stuff like that. But my theory is if it's an old deer, well, he's taking up space, you know, not only yeah. from a food yeah. perspective, but for whatever reason, you know, you get those six, seven, eight-year-old bucks. I don't care if that's, that's one thing that is consistent. You know, it doesn't matter if it's Midwest, Texas, the South, but you get that old seven-pointer with three or four-inch tines, you know, he's going to be the baddest buck in that clover field, you know, or or wherever you're hunting, and he's going to run all these other little deer off. And my thought is, well, don't go getting in a fight and hurting this up and coming, you know, stud three-year-old or don't go running this four-year-old off to my neighbor because he don't want to be stressed out by you all the time. So that's my theory. Well, just first chance you get them, I say, take them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. I, I I don't, um, I'm not a management buck kind of person. Um, we usually just try to hammer the does pretty hard. So, with that being said does is is there much of a cultural hunting difference um you know of of hunters killing does in the south versus the midwest i mean here, here in the south we there's some i mean of course the densities vary but i mean there's some pockets throughout the southeast that have i mean where i am um and i've known this with with our uh qdm records for 18 years but um I really couldn't say it out loud without people probably thinking I had lost my mind until Clemson University did a, did a, a spotlight, they've been doing spotlight surveys in my part of the county, my particular county, and we're, you know, we, the low end's 169, the high end's 229 per square mile, so, um, you know, we've got it up there, you know, killing does in the south, it's like people either on board or they're not, um, you yeah. know. It's a lot of work. Out there in the Midwest, is that the kind of thing, or, or is it? I mean, is it because I mean, you know, there's such a a very rich and strong as well as there should be buck culture because y'all are doing something right out there with growing big bucks, and you and you've got a very healthy age structure of bucks. So how does that doe? I mean, I, like for instance, I've been a little bit about people not shooting does because I'm doing cleanup work personally because I've got I've got some neighbors. One one particular that has access around right top of I me, mean, 800 acres, and they don't shoot any does. So I've got people like Corey coming over to, you know, shoot four or five at a time out of a bean field, which he has, to try to balance that. I mean, are the does a, a big thing? And if so, like when do y'all try to really target these does? Um, throughout the, is it just throughout the season, early, late?
1: Yeah, and, and- – you know, going back to what you said about the culture in the Midwest is exactly what you said. Some people, some people are into it. Some people aren't. And that is what you see in the Midwest as well. And and I think at the end of the day, and, and talking about shooting does, I and mean, we're not talking about, and, I, and, and I'm sure this is what you guys are talking about, not talking about, hey, I'm going to fill the freezer. I'm going to go get one ground up, then I'm going to get one <laughs> cut up and chop steak. Yeah. It's not that. It's like using every tag you can get your hands on, plus you're getting your kids to come out to shoot, getting your... Your family, your friends—you know—really taking a dent in them. And when you start talking about that, me and Dave talk about this all the time. Is that is a ton of work? You know, yes, it's—they're fun to shoot, and then you got to load them up. Our Georgia location—we're very lucky. You know, there's a ton of processes in the South. Um, we're not that lucky in the Midwest. So we just—and if we shoot a deer, we got to throw it in the cooler. Or most of the time, we just clean them ourselves and uh, process them ourselves in the early season, but in the midwest we do not start shooting does until you know late season pretty much when all the buck tags are filled because then we're you know we'll we'll, we'll use guns they just started to bring back the, the rifle season in the midwest uh or in iowa uh two years ago which used to that's how we shot all our does we'd shoot 100 does in a weekend um you know with a handful of us with the, the rifle tags and and we'll shoot some along the way uh you know in October or in Georgia, in September, that's kind of what we feel like. We're just kind of, we're getting in the groove, getting dialed up for the rut, but we don't do that. We just, we're not those people that go to say, hey, we're gonna shoot all our does before the rut. Now, but biologist just on our Mississippi farm, Magnavis out there where we hunt on the river out there and that deer density out there is through the roof. Uh, but the, he wants us to shoot all the does before the rut. And I understand why. Uh, and, and I do think there's some definitely some validity to that definitely some pros to do it Um, but our thought is I just like to keep those deer in there I I don't believe in hey I need to save these does for the rut I don't believe in that because at the end of the day I want more I want less does so those bucks got to search more but that just like we were talking about earlier it's hard to get to that level but we we just shoot them towards the end of the season and Thanksgiving's kind of our day or our time in Georgia we like to because our season in Georgia runs through 1st of, of September through January 10th. So if we can, you know, hunt that week of Thanksgiving, you know, uh, maybe start shooting some does in some some of our non-popular spots, but that 1st of December is really good for us for bucks. So if we don't have, a, you know, if we got a buck we're still after, we'll hunt then. But usually we try to allow a month of hunting, which may give us, honestly, you know, 6, 8, 10 sits, just how busy we are, you know, getting some people in to, to try to get those numbers now,
0: yeah, like it, you're you're spot on. It's a lot of work. I mean, Corey knows this. I uh, I've been doing some like you know little kind of fun doe invitational tournaments um, at our farm late September to to uh, try to hammer them. It's just I mean, we're trying to we don't really have a set goal because we're just trying to. It it sounds bad, we're just trying to kill as many many as we can. I had I had a a very good um land manager biologist tell me years ago and it didn't really resonate until after we had our farm for for a handful of years but he said mark you know go in there and shoot every doe you can and then shoot 20 more um and mm-hmm. it's just uh, and i you know another really good example that uh i think it i think it was on the nda deer steward one course they talked about you know different reasons for shooting does early and late and one one another good reason to shoot them early is because you know does deer in general consume about five to six pounds of their body weight every single day so let's just take Uh you you got a hundred pound doe you know um that's six eight that's six eight pounds a day and if you shoot them early season or late season do the math if you're trying to shoot 10 or 20 i mean that's a that's a lot of poundage That, you know, that, that, that that deer is going to consume in your forest or your food plots that, that you're just going to kill them and they're, and, and they're eating all that good protein, whatever you planted or you burned or you dissed and you're just going to kill them. So kill them early and let the other deer eat on it. But, you know, it's one of those things where it all like you said, it it ultimately comes down to the hunter and they know the land and, you know, for what, you know, what they need to do for the does um are, are there are there are there right there Corey starts a little bit earlier right Corey, yeah
2: mine's mine's you know you're in georgia so down here my peak rut peak chasing or I guess peak chasing i guess would be you know right there around muzzleloader season uh right here on the coast um and then it kind of tapers off from that so I'd probably say, what's our, what's our rifle season usually? October 17th, somewhere in there. Um, yeah. Yeah, right, right in there. And then by the time November comes, you know, you're kind of getting in more into a secondary rut down this part of the world. Right. From what I've seen down as close to the coast as we are. You go a little bit in where I used to hunt towards, you know, Bullock County, and um, it's a little bit later, but pretty early down this part of the world
0: we i i've been um I've been using the 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 fawn fetus uh or not the fawn the the fetus scale um yeah in december and 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 all the back dating goes from about the twenty seventh of October to about the thirty first um of when they're bred um some of them will go in into November, but we have our rut really gets started that third week, that second, third week in October is really when the bucks are on the feet moving. And then, but you know, with our densities, we have so many does that we have does that don't get bred their first cycle. Then they're going to cycle back in. And then we also have a lot of fawns. Our fawns. I mean, they have, they have reached 60 pounds by Thanksgiving. So we've got fawn does that are hitting the first heat cycle during when the adult does that, weren't bred the first time are hit, are hitting their second heat cycle, so you know that's when I I think in those type of areas sometimes hunters get a little confused as far as when they're you know but unless someone's keeping track of their records or using that fetus scale, it's really hard to, for someone to pinpoint. I mean, like I couldn't pinpoint. You're the, just guessing, yeah. Yeah, I mean guessing because you're going to see all kinds of things in the woods. But that's right. no, um, I, I agree with that. And, and what do you think? And
1: I knew you said, um, you know, you shoot yours early, um, so you try to shoot y'all's years before the rut, correct?
0: Yes, correct. I mean, you know, well, we put a big den in them, and then we, and then it gives them some, gives us some breathing room, so we can hunt some bucks, and then we're just kind of keep shooting does all the way to the end. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that, that's that's similar to us. We don't shoot, we shoot a few kind of I say similar. We kind of yeah. a little backwards on that. We shoot a few starting out and then we really hammer them late. And you know I wish we could, but we kind of just have to really wait on the rifle season. And what works for us because when it opens in mid October rifle season through November, it just we're hunting the Midwest. We're just not hunting yeah. there, so it just doesn't yeah. allow us. And and, and man, you just, killing multiple does with bows can be done. But you that's it's just next level management. That's just, it's just hard to do, hard it, to get your numbers.
0: It is. I mean, yeah, right. Anyone regulating does with with archer equipment hats off to them. I mean, I, I I talk about shooting does, but I mean, I'm thankful that that you know, we can start hunting with a rifle in the lower half of South Carolina August fifteenth. There's no early archery in the lower half of South Carolina. Um, and that's mostly for the number of deer we have. But I mean, if we, if we had early archery, that, that would be insanely tough. Um, are there any other, you know, kind of hunting cultural differences you you can think of? I mean, I know in the South, like, you know, the skinning shed for instance, is just such a, you know, it's like a big part of the, you know, hunting culture down here, you know, hunt clubs and skin sheds and meeting up afterwards and, um, or, or maybe it's a deer processor or different things like that. I mean, you probably not see many hunt. Uh, are there many hunt clubs out there or anything different that you can see? No, that you can there's see?
1: almost zero hunt clubs in Iowa. There may be two or three guys that may, you know, lease 300 acres or something like that. But no, you do not see the hunt clubs. You 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 see the occasional skin and rack or something, but it's just different because, you know, you, when we first, first started going to Iowa, you know, 20, 25 years ago, there, there was hardly anyone bow hunting it just didn't happen that those people were were raised on you know they got a week long then they got a 10-day rifle season december and everybody waited till then and hunted that's when they went got their buck and they were going from you know woodlot to woodlot and they were driving them that is what they did and hey don't get me wrong that's what i used to do um we used to drive deer in in georgia you know back in the day end of the season we would do that and now looking back thinking about you know, the deer had been hammered all year, and what little few deer were left, we're going to go run them out of their beds. With, you know, making all kind of noise, stressing them out, and then shooting at them on the run. You know, and and that's how I think, uh, as hunters and managers, we evolve. You know, and and I'm not saying anything's wrong with that, because a lot of guys in Iowa, you know, that is their culture. They still do that, but I, but I do think you can look at not only hunting, but but life in general. A lot of things humans. Do and they just get they learn and they get better and they evolve and, and they evolve and and do stuff that maybe makes a little more sense than it used to you know or doesn't don't do the stuff that didn't make sense so that's a big culture there but yeah it's it's funny you talk about hunting clubs up there you just you do you do not see that they definitely have their cultures but most of those center around that that gun season and that and I do miss that hunting club aspect you know yes you you're not going to maybe get the deer um the age on a, on a piece of land when it's got you know 20 30 people hunting at the hunting club i grew up in we had 30 something 30 35 members on 900 acres and that was you know how i pretty much grew up hunting and we'd go there everybody brought their camper and and we, you know we don't i miss that camaraderie you know that's why i enjoy what we do in illinois we invite a lot of people to hunt my farm over there we invite people to hunt in, in kansas so we get that on a smaller scale you know and it may only be you know, four or five, six people in the woods, but you're still coming back, swapping hunt stories. You know, it kind of helps keep us going too. You know, I, I like seeing somebody seeing big deer, seeing deer in the Midwest for the first time, watching that through their eyes just because it's it's easy to get burnt out. Cause I mean, we're going, we're going hard from, you know, September to end of January. So it, I look forward to those hunts probably more than any of the other ones and I, and I i'm not saying i don't enjoy hunting myself or hunting with my dad but you know getting other people involved really kind of just stokes the fire for you
0: oh absolutely yeah it, it's that's a that's a big part of what we do is just having friends and family up clients and whoever else i mean even as one of my friends it doesn't that wants to get into hunting for sure so um i like that
2: that it's got to be hard to find a georgia ball game on the radio out there
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, that's exactly right. It, it
1: ain't, <laughs> you ain't gonna see that up here. I guess now with the internet and all, you can you can stream whatever you want. But you know, it's the Saturdays in the South Man, it's deer hunting and college football. You know, it's just what but it's always what happens.
2: You know, always a conundrum, man. I mean, Georgia plays Florida right there that first week in November, last week in October, three thirty in the afternoon stuff.
0: So, are you uh yeah, yeah. are you a Hawkeyes fan now since since uh, Iowa?
1: Well, I mean, honestly, I've always been just kind of an SEC fan. I, yeah. I do like the Hawkeyes. I mean, I'll pull for them, but I've never been diehard. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, I'm, I am live in Bulldog country. So, you yeah. know, I'm, at the end of the day, I'm always going to root for them, especially because I've got so many buddies that are either, you know, Tennessee or Bama or Auburn fans. And, and so there it's been a, been a good little run here the last, A couple of years since Curry Smart's been on board. So I guess that I'm, I wouldn't say I'm any more of a fan now, but I I do a lot more talking now than I used to.
0: You should. You should out there.
2: These these are heady times for for board automation. I can promise.
0: Let them know where you came from. That's right. All right. Let's, uh, let's um, kind of move toward wrapping this up. I've got some rapid fire questions, Jeff, if you're ready. if you don't feel like answering one, you can pass. No worries. Um, I know you post a lot about Snacks for Racks. What is your favorite little Debbie? You can only take one. Let's say you're going to be hunting for a long time in the rut. What's your go-to?
1: Yes, OCT man. Oatmeal cream pie, no doubt about it. <laughs> that's that's, that's, that's all, There's always going to be one in my pack. It may not be in one piece, but it's going to be yeah. one in my pack.
0: I, I was like, I, th- I think it was last year. I was shopping at this like local uh grocery store where I hunt and they had the um they they had the Christmas little debbies out but it was like early it was like September early October and so I was oh, like yeah I looked at the date and it was clearly had been from like the previous year or two that they just I guess had <laughs> stock and they put it of course I still bought them and we still ate them that that, that weekend but <laughs> I mean how could you not buy them I, I, I guess it was the Christmas
2: right. trend, First one but, was great.
0: but it was just like what are they doing here? Um,
1: well, that's throws my whole theory off because I'm usually like, "Hey, when those things are on the shelf, that's when the deer are in right." Well, if you're getting them in September, <laughs> October, <laughs> it's not going to work. Hey, they're That's throwing the science off here. Yeah,
2: <laughs> we'll get we'll get NDA to do a research project on that. You know, when they put up the
0: you know, right. Yeah, <laughs> when they hit the shelves.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So. Um. um hunting media what 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 do you how is hunting media do you think has changed in the past 20 years oh
1: man night and day
0: yeah it's Uh, night
1: and day i mean to a lot of good info out there but there's also a lot of time wasting out there so yeah
0: yeah that's what that's kind of that's kind of my take he's like there's so much great i mean It used to be like you had to subscribe to magazines or certain TV shows or videos, but nowadays, like there's a lot of legit biologists and people that are real, I mean, that know their stuff and they're putting free content out there, but there's a lot of people that are putting content out there. That's really not, it's it's extremely misleading. I should say to put it lightly.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Everybody wants
1: to know, you know, what's credibility and how do you get credibility? You got to sound like you know what you're talking about. So there's people uh trying to sound like they know what they're talking about whether it's right or wrong there's are just a, there's a lot of bad advice for as, as many you know smart people out there like like yourself there's going to be probably two or three that's just viewing their own opinion opinion or whatever grandpa told them and you know is that really what's best for the, the whitetail or the turkey population you know that yeah that's that's, that's a big deal but the turkeys is a big is a big lightning rod right now because people are looking for answers
0: yeah. I, yeah. Turkeys. Yeah. What, what you bring up turkeys. I mean, what uh, are, are y'all, I mean, I was, I mean, the turkey issues in the Southeast are pretty, uh, I mean, there's some landowners that have a ton of turkeys and they can't beat them off with a stick. And those are kind of, you know, pockets here and there, but most of them are dealing with the same stuff that if you follow like Mike Chamberlain, different people, uh, Wild Turkey Science podcast that people know about. Are, are y'all dealing with anything like that? Any of these kind of issues out in the Midwest?
1: Overall, yes, we are. Overall, we are. Um, we we hear it, but as far as our Iowa farm, it, it's the good old days. It's as good as I've ever seen it. Um, it's got as many turkeys as anywhere you could expect. You know, just big Easterns, bunches of them. But our habitat there, you know, we got a lot of CRP grass. We got, you know, everything we do for the deer, those turkeys kind of benefit off of it. So our our farm in Iowa is, is, is loaded with turkeys. Gotcha. Um,
0: okay, real, here's a rapid fire question. Um, in your opinion, what is, if you're trying to, if, if a hunter is trying to kill a mature buck, um, you know, for their particular region, what do you think is, you know, okay, mature buck for that region, uh, natural movement, meaning they're trying to, um, they're trying to, they really do their homework, they're scouting, they understand bedding, they understand where they're going to feed, they understand how and when they're going to move, meaning they're not sitting on a feeder, they're maybe, maybe they're not sitting on an ag field or corn or ag field or food plot. In your opinion, what do you think is probably the toughest region to kill a mature buck
1: that's definitely the south i mean it just there's no true funnels there's no true you know woodlots inside corners there's nothing really to funnel them unless it's kind of man-made it just no doubt about it it's the south
0: yeah and i that's i mean that's i guess i'm by, i mean i am by, but that's my uh that's my opinion but i, I almost feel i can't think of the right word but like Corey knows from my hunt, my property, but like, I mean, I grew up in a hunt club, very similar to what you were talking about. I mean, it's kind of every man for themselves and people are kind of talking about what they see, but everyone's not really sharing what they really see kind of, kind of deal. Um, But we kind of fell into a situation, a situation where we started to checkerboard our pine stands, and really have Mm -hmm. some, you, you know, some, 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 some varying habitats and and by doing that and when you do it and we design it the right way you can you you can't create funnels and pinch points and just you know it it's not gimmies but you can you can uh be able to really hunt deer on their natural movements going to destination food plots and whatnot um but it's you know it, it's still it's still certainly difficult um kids I'm yeah, oh, sorry go ahead scenario yeah
1: that- no, yeah, that type of scenario, and that's why you're probably so successful. You got to, you're you're doing things that are not only making your habitat better, but if you keep in mind the huntability aspect of it too, which it, obviously you are, it's going to make you more more successful for sure. Yeah. I guess when you just think of like a hunting club, hey man, me and you know twenty of my college roommates are in this hunting club down in South Georgia, and it's you know eight hundred or thousand acres, and it's timberland. Well, you know what it's it's either going to be 100% pine trees or it's going to be 100% clear cut <laughs> because depending on what stage they're at. So, and then that, that's when it gets tough, just real tough.
0: I know. I, it's when, when someone's wall to wall, like you said, border to border, the same age class of whatever. That's why like, I, I, I always, hate, whether someone's just trying to bend my ear or if, if they've engaged with me to help them with their land, I always try to tell them. Uh, and that's why I like, I've been putting so many videos out about forestry work. that, you know, I, listen, I mean, I was in the same boat. I was hesitant on clear cuts. I was hesitant cutting trees, but it's some of the, it's one of the best things you, you can do because you're going to make money. But then you're also, you can create deer habitat, kind of where, where you want them to bed where you want them to feed and so forth. I mean, it's a way yeah, of really, really
1: clear cuts. Are, yeah. I still think clear cuts are, are, are overlooked. You know, yeah, we're not clear cutting. Hardwoods or you know generational trees, nothing like that. But just on pine trees, man, that that is a lot of people frown on. Oh, they took all the trees down. Like we're about to have the the bed and cover of the century right here. So yeah, I still think it's one of those things. That's what we tried to do, you know, a little bit. It may only be five acres here or there, but a five acre clear cut clear cut is a ton of bedding. But you just you got to get out of that mentality, you know. That uh, you know I had growing up, you know, and just start thinking. Overall,
0: yeah, uh, I like that. Um, let's switch here into in, in kids. Um, I, I, if anyone follows you, uh, you do an awesome job bringing your kids out there. I, I think it was Cash, your son, shot a huge buck last yeah. year, right? Um, I've been taking yeah. my three year old boy that before, my girl's about turned seven, they've been going with me. Um, I, I, my son, my three year old son, he was with me a number, he was with me. i probably shot three or four does with them last year in the stand uh Corey's taking his son they they shot a a doe with my place and a turkey this year um my son's just latched on to it I mean I I woke him up at like four o'clock one morning to drive the farm to go turkey hunting and he just shot up I I, I tapped him he just shot up and he said let's go you know so I' <laughs> almost think I'm creating a mind like he wants to go turkey hunting now and I'm trying to explain to him it's not turkey season I mean we can do it but it's a big gamble you know with the law I'm kidding, but um, do you have any kind of suggestions with, with hunting with kids? Do's and don'ts? Or are you just out there? Because I'm out there winging it. You know, I mean, as a father and just trying to get them involved not not to not to push them. I'm not trying to duct tape, you know, a gun in their hand. I want them to go about it the right way. But um, it, I, I tell you, it's so much fun bringing them out there. It
1: is. It really is. I, I don't know, man. I, I feel like I'll be able to write a pretty dang good book on this, <laughs> you know, in about 10, 15 years once my kids get up and going. But, you know, it's it's kind of, it's so much different than baseball or, or when you start your kid with football or anything. But my thing is, if they, they have an interest, want to go, you know, let them do it. And, you know, my son shot his first turkey when he was four and first year oh, when he was nice. five. And, you know, and, and people say, "Oh, that's too young." I'm like, "Well, man, that's that's all he knew. That's all he wanted to do. He could, he could. He's, he's eight years old now, and honestly, I can say, you know, out to a couple hundred yards, he's probably a better shot than me because anytime we're sighting in rifles, he's always <laughs> a little closer than me. Uh, and I can say that. I can take that, you know, with uh, with a little humility. But uh, he he was just ready. That's what he lived for, yeah. you know. And he he doesn't get on. He doesn't. If he plays a video game, it's not some you know any crazy things, and then I don't let him have video games much. But it's a hunting game. You know, it's a hunting game. That's what he does. He's watching a YouTube channel. It's a, it's a hunting show or somebody, you know, bow fishing. Or that's all he really cares about. So it's it's a little bit different deal with him. And it's like it, it's a lifestyle kind of going back to how I told you when I got started. We went to deer camp on the weekends. You know, six eight weekends a year or however many times I was lucky enough to get to go. But now because of the year round process and the management and the game keeping and all that, that's all he knows is kind of a, is a lifestyle of of deer and all that. So, um, and, but I, and I also want him to work his way up and he has with bucks. He's shot some nice deer. He has not shot uh, any of our real true top end deer yet. And Not that I would tell him not to shoot, but I'm trying to, I want him to earn it, but I want him to respect it. And, um, but he likes to, he likes to pull the trigger. I mean, he's, he just does. And, and that's what, <laughs> and I think that's what uh, keeps it fun. I had a buddy in um, in Mississippi and, you know, all he wants to do is, is uh duck hunt. And he says, my dad raised me, took me deer hunting, took me duck hunting, but you know what? He never would let me shoot a deer. And, uh, but every time I went duck hunting, I got to pull the trigger. So that's why mm. And he was kind of just kind of joking there with his dad was in the room, just kind of blaming it on him. I was like, man, that's a, that kind of hits home, you know? So you got to make it fun. And I try to get them to shoot old deer. Now I'm never going to, you know, talk him out of shooting some prize, you know, three or four year old. If That's kind of what he wants to do. Um, and it makes sense. You know, we'll do it uh, to a point, <laughs> to a point. Cause I'm like, you know, you only get one deer, you know, here, or there. And I don't know. I've just going back to, you know, one day I'll be able to write a book. I've struggled with a lot of things with him that I've, I don't know anybody to talk to, to, to get answers. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to spoil him. But then again, when I take him hunting, I don't want to go hunt some spot that sucks just to try to prove a point. Cause that's, that's what I got to do too, you know? So, uh, it's a little, little different, a little different, uh, with him than I, it probably will be with my girls because he, he lives it so much, but we had a life lesson last year. He, he shot a, uh, it was a four year old buck in Missouri and he was a, uh, you know, 135-inch eight-pointer, but he'd come out, he was, he was pumped to get him. Well, he was a, a solid deer, um, big body, and then later in the season, he shot a deer that was a five- or six-year-old eight-point in uh, Georgia, and it was 120 inches, but, you know, when he pulled, he just wanted to pull the trigger, and it was a deer that needed to be shot, and when he shot it, he's like, ah, you know, a deer's a lot, that was, was a little deer, or small, he started making the comments like that, and Kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I'm like, you know, you're taking the uh, the life of an animal, and we we got to work through all this. So, man, I was seeking for answers last year dealing with that. You know, I kind of had to. It's like every year I'm having to put him on not the bench for a little bit, but I'm like, hey, if you want to go hunting, you're gonna to have to go and just watch me shoot. You know, you're gonna to have to learn it, and or you're not gonna to get to shoot this time. And fine line between you know, letting them pull the trigger too, and then you know, how much is too much to respect life. So I said all that, just to basically tell you, I have no idea what I'm doing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> my, well, no, no, I,
1: I, I, I'm always looking for answers. I'm always looking for answers trying to raise kids.
0: That's spot on, Jeff, because I mean, you know, what work, I mean, it, it's, it's out with anything in life. I mean, like you can take like, like a land management. I mean, what you're doing on your Georgia farm, might not work for Corey or my place in south carolina so and same thing with kids i i'm i can't speak for Corey's kids but mine i mean i mine wants to get both of them want to go my son wants to start shooting now but he he he's, he's only three so he he doesn't understand th- that at all um he just he just has a toy gun and wants to shoot the, shoot the toy gun that, that makes sounds
1: yeah i remember being those posts yeah
0: my <laughs> My daughter is about to be seven, and tomorrow, and so she, she still likes to go, but she likes to go now because she, you know, because like I'll bring an iPad for, her or, or like we'll stop and buy some candy, and but when it comes down to actually shooting and killing the deer that I'm going to do, I, she's a little hesitant now. And then we've got a skinning shed at, at our farm, so that was a whole different element where. You know, we we kill a deer and we're dragging it back. I mean, it's one thing you're sitting in the sand, you pull the trigger, but then you got to go right. walk up, you got to find it, you got to drag it, load it up, and then you're at the skinning shed, and that's like a whole different ball game. That, you know, you can't hide anything there. I mean, it's it's it it's all or nothing. what we, it gets real quick. Yeah, it gets re- shoot. It gets real quick with adults. I mean, Corey can test, test testify to that. I mean, there's some grown men that just can't, they yeah. literally can't stomach being there or at least helping out, you know. Yeah, they'll go get you
2: a beer or something while you're cleaning deer. You know, they're good for that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, along those lines, Mark, I mean, we, that time we went last year, I think was when we, you took Wells and I had Shepard with me and uh, I shot that doe. You know, that was the big talking point for us. You know, do we, do we go, you know, three year old, both of them were three at the point. And it was, you know, did we put them in it? And yeah, we had to. So we, you know, I was really pleased to watch that. Watch Shepard Wells kind of, you know, just play around the skin and shed, and you know, while we were cleaning that deer, and they were kind of, you know, um, they kind of, they gave it the right amount of, they kind of put them back a little bit, but they kind of got over that pretty quick. And uh, yeah, my son, he's all about it. I mean, he was he was mad when he didn't get to kill that deer, and the same kind of thing you were talking, about, Jeff, like. Um, you know, he's wanting to kind of earn it and have an appreciation for it. So with us, I mean, as we're kind of getting into starting the farm, you know, starting the land management side of it, I try to take him every bit I can to, you know, work on the tractor. Um, yeah. As we're out in the woods, kind of looking at old rubs or whatnot and and kind of bring him into part of the process. So when the time comes, you know, when he is old, enough to pull the trigger, you know, for him to have an appreciation as much as he can at a young age, um, of what kind of went into it and how, you know, kind of, we, we didn't just go out there and kill a deer. And I, I'm, I'm a big fan of that. I'm, I think people should take kids whenever they can, but getting them involved in the process. And I know you do a great job of that. I, I follow you on social media and what you do on TV. And uh, I know Mark, you do too. And that's just, that's something I've really tried to, to bring my kids into as much as I can, you know, their little legs, it kind of makes yeah. it tough on them, but you know
1: the full year round. Yeah, my son, he'll, he'll
2: frown on that. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, you're good. I'm done.
1: No, I was just saying, yeah, my son, you know, frown I hey to look go. It'd be summertime. Hey man, we gotta go put up move some cameras around. I ah, no, nah, I don't really want to. I'm like, look, you know, you wanna you wanna go shoot in the fall, you know, you got to. And but you know, they even since they were old enough to walk even before they were old enough to walk, they, you know, a family deal, especially when we shoot a big buck, we always try to recover it. That doesn't matter if we're in Georgia, Iowa illinois wherever shoot a big deer you get everybody together and then that you go do the blood trail and yeah. then that's kind of what they le- learn and love and everybody likes that but you know my 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 little girl she's six you know and just last couple of years i would have let her shoot a, a deer um but if she's really got no desire you know if she goes hunting hey i want to i want st- to you know bring some snacks before i even get, get the door shut on the redneck she's telling me she's hungry and yeah. uh, that's just what she likes <laughs> doing but she's got she's got really no interest in it yet. Um, now my two-year-old and both, uh, you know, both of my girls are daddy's girls, but I think my two-year-old will have a little more, more interest yeah. in it. And maybe my six-year-old will pick it up, but I'm definitely not going to force it on her. You know, she's definitely more of a, a, a girly girl. And my little one's more of a tomboy. So, but, man, it's, there's just, there's just no book to read or really no podcast you can listen to, to, to learn and, you know, Get better at parenting, you know, raising a kid in the in uh, you know, in the Deer Woods. Just so many, so many curveballs right. you get thrown after.
0: That's right. One one curveball I've been thinking about is when when you're describing your 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 oldest daughter. That sounds like my daughter too. I mean, she likes to go. She likes to do stuff with me, and she likes to go. But she I, she I, I don't see her unless something change is wanting to kill a deer down the road, but I know what's going to happen, you know, a couple of years down the down the road, she's going to be in high school or dating somebody and that boyfriend might want to hunt. And, <laughs> yeah. and then, and then Gwen's going to be talking to me about, you know, some, you know, some, 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 some jackass has just dated my daughter wants to go hunting. And then what am I supposed to do? Corey and Jeff, am I supposed to put them and The best stand, or am I supposed to put them on the highway and then call the warden and tell, right, poaching, yeah. and tell them I got some guy poaching and tell them I got some guy poaching my line? You know? As
2: one of those jackasses, once upon a time, I would say, Take it. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's that good. Was, I guess it's a good that way was to you gonna like
2: it or not. Yeah, that was me. Um, I will say, my daughter now, she's the same age as y'all's, and she very much equates um, whatever I bring home if I'm going hunting she equates that to being able to, um, yeah, we're having deer steak or whatnot. She loves, I mean, that youngin loves wild game, uh, duck, man, she loves duck. She likes to, you know, pet their feathers and everything, but she very much equates it to that. Now, she doesn't care anymore about killing one, but she, she wants me to go kill one or whatever so we can eat, um, you know, deer steak or duck steak or, you know, have something with a turkey or something like that. But, uh, yeah, she doesn't care anything about going to kill one. She's very much a girly girl, but uh my son it'll be it'll be a lot of fun, you know, as they
0: get older. That's, yeah, like to eat them. Well, that's a good segue. Um, Jeff, I'm gonna wrap this up with with uh, three questions that I ask every guest. Um and Corey brings up a good one, uh wild game. Um do you have a preferred wild game dish recipe that is just like your go-to favorite? It doesn't have to be elaborate. but just something that you just maybe maybe you've been on the road for a couple of weeks and, and have and been forced to eat out. you're finally home, maybe you got your family there. is just something that you just just a preferred dish?
1: yeah, that'd be you know what we call you know country fried or chicken fried deer steak, you know, cast iron skillet with you know Hell it's. Yeah. it's a, Tenderloin or the rump that's been cubed up and it's got we put a little Tony's on it and uh, you know just just fried up and we don't do a lot of fried we don't hardly fry anything really to ever eat in at the house but deer steak's one of those and we we try to have that if we have some you know, especially in deer hunting season you know once every you know three or four weeks that is just everybody's uh, go-to dish you know but it's got to, always going to have the same thing it's going to have you know uh green beans and mashed potatoes. We don't cook it unless we cook it like that. So if we got a special guest over or something, we'll do it. But that that's my death row meal.
0: I like that. Well te- well yeah um there might be some people out there listening that maybe you had as a guest that didn't have that and they're probably thinking they weren't special enough to get that.
1: <laughs> or no we didn't have we may not have
0: had didn't it. Have
1: usually I try to keep it pretty fresh. We gotta have a dough on the ground or something where I can go out there and
0: cube so- it up. So do you, so do you use, um, a wet batter? So it's like, I'm sorry, can, you, can you, what's your batter mixture when you go to fry? Do you have a wet batter? flour.
1: No, just, just dry, all-purpose flour. Um, and then, you know, it's olive oil or avocado oil or whatever yeah. in the pan. And, uh, so it's, it, it's a dry batter for sure.
0: Gotcha. Did and
1: you know, it's just one of those, that has been kind of, my wife and mom have just tweaked it over the years and, and, and now when I talk about cube meat, I'm talking about it, it's it's thin. It's yeah, it's yeah. thin cut, you know, a quarter quarter inch probably. Uh maybe a half on some of it at the I don't even know if I'd go a half. I'd probably say a quarter to a third and then we run it through the cuber twice and so it's it's cut it with a fork tender. I
0: well, I guess I lied. I I told I told you I have three questions, but I just thought of one more processors is there a noticeable difference as far as like what they offer you know in in the south and midwest as far as venison processors or are they pretty much it's pretty much no. the same no yeah definitely. definitely i have heard i mean in the
1: midwest yeah they just do they do crazy stuff you know i mean so i got to get some deer processed in the midwest to bring it home you know like our milo's locker who we give them you know, fifty to hundred deer a year, and they were able to Iowa has a great program, you know, where you can the hunters donate for the hungry and stuff like that, the Hush program. But uh, we'll keep a few of them for ourselves, you know, as much as our freezers will handle. But I mean, any type of deer stick you want, or 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 summer sausage, you you just about dream it up, and they can do it. And uh, yeah. it's not like that in the south. It just it just at least the ours aren't, you know.
0: I, I was hunting with a guy um, from Minnesota this this past season. He was a um, camera guy, really fun guy to hunt with, Hunter Rudd. He he was he was he was loving. Um, we had some sausage. Uh, it was um what is it, Corey? It's uh I think it's called Sweet Heat or something like that from a great habanero outdoors. mango, you got? yeah. Habanero yeah. mango, and it's oh, just a awesome. good. Perfect mixture of like a sweet heat, you know. You got, you know, but anyways, he was saying that up in Minnesota, they just don't really get a whole lot like jalapeno type stuff up there and processors. Like down here, man, you can get jalapenos and whatever you want to, just any kind of mixtures, but it's a little more bland as far as the flavorings they they offer up there. But, you know, that's Minnesota. Um, I can't speak for that. All right. Second question Do you have, I usually ask people, if they have like a book or uh, like a media content recommendation of someone's, someone's maybe trying to, you know, gain some more knowledge, whether they're land management or hunting in the South, is there anybody that you follow Jeff or a book or show or hunting media that, that you would suggest someone that they could, you know, benefit from in the South?
1: Yeah, I'd probably say, you know, it's kind of a, I don't want to say it's a plug here, but it just, it's really, I don't get many print magazines anymore. I, I don't, but, uh, you know, gamekeeper, they put out a quarterly magazine and it, it, it really kind of gears towards the South. mostly gamekeepers. And it's, yeah, a, it's it a great, it's a great magazine. And they, and they kind of always got some very knowledgeable people in there that, that make a lot of sense. And, um, but as far as, you know, someone on uh, you know, social media, uh, you know, there, there's a few of them. Ray Reeves, that's a dude that I spent a lot of time with a couple of weeks ago, and uh, he's from he's from the Northeast. He he uh, does a lot of uh, you know management and uh, various, you know what's the word I'm looking for here. Um, but, but he does it in the Midwest and the Northeast uh, consulting. <laughs> I don't know why I can't yes. think of that. Uh, but he, he he does that, and then he came to the South, and he just kind of really. You know, we got a lot of sweet gums. we got a lot of pines. He just really was giving me some ideas because he hadn't done that, that a lot in the south. And um, he, he's real big on trees and, and, and food plots. But, but he just wants to hold the deer on your farm. You know, a lot of these consultants, you know, are more like, hey, has to, like, kill them, stuff like that, raise more. Hey, how do you hold them on the farm? Because he hadn't done a lot in the south man, we just came up with some, or he came up with some ideas, and we just bounced some stuff off what had worked and what hadn't worked in places all over, and it really just kind of opened my eyes, but I think the name of his Instagram channel is Genesis Wildlife Products, um, but Ray Rees, he's just super passionate, you know, just kind of a land manager, and you know, always going hard after it, and, and he's just a, a guy that I i get a lot of info from this day, these days, whether I messaging him or you know, text messaging or something like, "Hey, what do I need to do for this?" And you know, here's a good, you know, substitute for fertilizer. It's just one thing after another. He's just, it's just stuff that I've never been around because it's more geared toward the northeast. But I'm anxious to try some of this stuff in the south just because I, I think it's a little different, little little curveball or something that could help us out
0: absolutely i i love that and, and i'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna check out ray reeves that's you know that's one of the reasons why i started southeast whitetail not because i know any anything more than anybody else but just because i i didn't really feel like there was a, a whole lot of content that was specific to the south you know it's i mean there's, I, you not. Know, there's,
1: there's
0: not yeah and it's just you and know, that's
1: one thing me and ray was talking about i said man i you know, even we got a, a outdoor publication. It's called George Outdoor News, and you know, be people in there that you know. Every consultant is also a timber management down here. So every, and you know, my, my and I, I work with foresters and, and timber consultants a lot, and and our my line of work. But you know, they're almost like mechanics. You know, there's there's good ones, and there's man, there's a lot of bad ones. All they're thinking about is that almighty dollar, and and to me, that's just hard to to work both of them you know you know and thinking about cutting those trees and, and you know you got to or what's best for the wildlife it's they it does go hand in hand like we were talking about earlier but man to you, you find somebody that's really more deer driven kind of like the direction i think you're headed there's just not many people I, I can't hardly name any that i would that i'd be able to trust you know or, or recommend not in the south
0: <laughs> yeah it's um it's it's yeah it's tough because you know a lot of the people that I follow whether they're you know consultants or just biologists or land managers that ha- you know ha- have a presence on, on in the media whether it's a podcast or whatever it's like you know if they're talking about the country in general if it's a podcast or whatever that's just kind of blanketing the country as far as deer management I could probably pull maybe twenty five percent of what they say or ten percent for what I'm doing on my farm now I realize. They can't talk about, you know, every, everything they talk about can't relate to me, but that's another reason why I started this is because, I mean, you, you can't cover deer management or wildlife management in, in blanket the country in general. You just, no you, can't. you, you, you just can't do that. So, all right. Last question. Um, it just kind of goes back. It's, well, it's gotten, gotten Go back. It, it's about conservation. I, the the three points I like to focus on on Southeast whitetails, conservation uh, habitat and venison, you know, venison, wild game, all that. What do you feel like it's something, uh, that's just a glaring conservation issue in the South that, you know, maybe it's obvious, maybe it's something like turkeys that, you know, people talk about, I had one get one guest talk about, um, you know, redfish and red snapper seasons that are just, there's a lot of issues going on there on the Eastern coast with dnr agencies um but what what's something you 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 feel like is just should be on should be on people's radars in the south
1: mine's probably the hot button right now you know it's just nesting and and brood rearing habitat in the uh in the south you know growing up you wanted doesn't matter if it's me my dad you know or somebody else's grandpa you know the local farmer everybody wants their farm to look pretty. And how does it look pretty? It looks pretty when it's mowed and that's from the road to the field. And there was just just no, you know, native browse, native habitat, no weeds uh, for lack of a better term. There just wasn't any cover, you know, Uh, but that being said, that was no different. I don't think that's a hundred percent, you know, or even 50%, the, the, the real reason why the Turkey population has failed, but that's just one thing, you know, uh, I, I think it's as much related to the fall of the quail, probably even more so than the turkeys. But um, that's one thing I've just tried to, you know, just make make aware, you know, as much as I can, you know, just just let stuff grow up here. There will be times to the the, the plant, and there will be times to do things. That's one thing Ray said the other day, just kind of hit home with me. He's like, if you're not if you're not going to plant it, don't mow it. And I said, hey, that's a, that's a good rule of thumb, you know. So. That
0: would be mine. I like that. I, I you know what you said really hit home because when we first got our farm and first got our tractor, I man, I, I I would I'd go up there and just mow. I mean, I I would I would just mow oh, roads yeah. and I, I would yeah, like you said, as if it was a golf course, um, because that's a lot of what you see in media and and I, I was uh, and I am very much like it. I mean, like. You mentioned mossy, mossy oak gamekeepers. They 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 they're very big on that. You know, especially this time of year, fawns are being dropped. Got turkey poults out there, and it's not necessarily that you're going to hit them with your tractor, which you can, but just they need that cover from uh, predators. That's spot on. Yeah, it really is. They they do go hand in hand. It's, it's it's just a miracle, you know. Both of those
1: things are happening. Both of those miracles are happening at one time, you know. From- the turkeys trying to grow up to the to the phones being dropped. It's just they they really need real similar
0: cover. That's right. Corey, you got anything for Jeff? Anything else?
2: No, nah, man. It's been no, not that we hadn't already covered. I'm sure I could sit here and you know shoot the breeze all day. I mean it's, you know, again, I really, I really enjoyed it and um you know look forward to watching what's coming out. Um what else you're doing out there. And, you know, it's your farm in Georgia, especially. So, um, no, man, I I really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, Jeff. Uh, thank you for your time. I, like I said, when we first started, I, I have been looking forward to this, um, this interview because, and I, and I was not kidding. I, I, I don't follow, I only follow a certain amount of people that in this guys that I guys and girls that I can relate to and that seem genuine and they seem like they're doing it for the right reasons and they seem knowledgeable. Um, and you, you, know, you, you fit all that. So I, I, I appreciate what you're doing and also appreciate, you know, you representing hunters, um, and land stewards out there doing it, doing it the best way, in my opinion. Um, so thanks for being on. And, uh, you got any, you got any, uh, any trips planned this summer or are you just gearing up for the, for the fall?
1: Yeah, kind of gearing up for fall. We got to go. It's kind of work related, but we're going to uh, Salt Lake City, Utah next month. So I'm looking forward to that. And it, but it's, you know, just any time I can get in some cooler weather in the summertime, you know, I'm all about that. But then just, just start gearing up for fall. You know, I've got to. Yeah, it, every year it gets a little tougher, man. And you guys will see this, you know, the more more kids you get or the older they get, it's just harder to leave home, you know, just for one trying to be a good dad and man, just get the mess of
2: them. Um, The past three years, I went, uh, elk hunting, uh, once in Idaho and twice in Colorado. And, you know, that's, you know how that hunt goes. That's a eight or 10 day, you know, you're pretty much, I wouldn't say out of pocket, but you got to, at least I did. I had to go make, um, special arrangements to go call or whatever. It's just, it's hard to find service. And that was tough, man. I think now I'm probably have to put that on the back burner and do that every couple of years. Um, with my kids getting the age they are. Yeah. I mean, I could I can imagine with your schedule. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was, that was tough and I could see that being a real, a real barrier until they start going with me.
0: Yep. That's why. Yeah. yeah I,
2: absolutely.
0: And that's the reason why, like, uh, what you said about trail cameras, Jeff, earlier, that was, it was like you were describing me. Cause I, I have drifted off from them for for a lot of reasons. And one of them is just time because man, I could kill a whole day on trail cameras. You know, there's always one covering the ants. And as opposed to I could spend a whole day on, on a tractor or doing something productive. And, you know, trail cameras are very productive in a way, but that's another reason why I drifted off is just time management. So, um, well, last, is Jeff, thank you for being on. I greatly appreciate it. Um, I did want to mention, I know you said your son, Cash, likes to pull the trigger, likes to shoot. Um, we're going to be doing our, our Doe Invitational Tournament. That last weekend in September, um, we're uh, we're right there about a um, we're about f- an hour uh, east of Augusta, Georgia. So in South Carolina, it's not too far away. If y'all want to okay. come, you want to come. Uh, we can. We we don't we don't. I will buck hunt a little bit in August, and then we back off until that weekend in September, and it's like they don't know what's going on. I mean, Corey can attest. It's, it's, it's like a war. It's like warfare out there. I mean, there's just guns going off left and right. Yeah. If you want to bring him, you're, yeah, you're, yeah, you're, I, you're more than welcome. We we get kids there. We get all kinds of people out there. Joe Hamilton's been out there with us and we just, we just have fun with it, you know? Right.
1: Yeah. That sounds good, man. If I'm in town, I'd love to, I think you invited me or something similar like that a couple of years ago. And I, w- I was out in El Custon or something, but, if, it's, if the dates worked out, I'd love to. That's not too far from
0: us. Well, thanks again, Jeff. I I got uh I got to run. I I got to um I got to hit the I got to hit the beach crack. Start cracking some cold beer because I got those family photos in a couple of hours, and I gotta I gotta there get there right. You, man. To, I gotta get in the right state of mind. You know. <laughs> there you
1: go. Well, thanks, guys. I appreciate you having me on, and you know, I I feel like I've learned something today too. So uh, thanks a lot.
0: Well, appreciate yeah. it. Thanks. Thanks, Corey, for being on and thank thank you, Jeff. Appreciate it. Have a good rest of the summer. All uh, right, yeah. Yeah, y'all too. Thank you.
2: Yeah. See ya. Bye bye.